0: Rugby League Back Chat is sponsored by TotalRL.com. Hello, welcome to this week's edition of Rugby League Back Chat. It's all kicking off in the world of rugby league. So, to talk us through it, we have three very special guests, starting with the editor of League Express, Martin Sadler, the managing editor of 4020 magazine, Phil Kaplan, and the chief executive of the Rugby Football League, Ralph Rimmer. Gentlemen, welcome. Uh, It's all going off, isn't it? On the field, this, I don't want to call it a relegation race because you're not racing to be relegated, are you? You're racing to avoid it. But we now have a new team at the bottom. It isn't London Broncos. Phil, they've won again. They just just won't go away, will they? I think they've been
1: amazingly credible. I think if you spoke to everybody who ever did a prediction at the start of the season, you looked at their recruitment, they made the very brave decision of sticking with, predominantly, the, the championship players that have got them up. Very few thought they would win many games, if any. So to be already where they are, uh, who they've beaten, the amount of points they've accrued, the style in which they've played. And I think the one thing that's probably been overlooked, the fitness that they've got. Mm. Absolutely outstanding strength and conditioning work being done in in the capital. You add in the personality of their coaching staff, which they they clearly represent. Um, They've been a breath of fresh air. And I think there's now a lot of people thinking they'd actually enhance Super League if they were still in it next Mm. year. I think the, the one worry, uh, because this is Rugby League and we can't be too positive for, for too long,
2: <laughs> is um, I be positive. <laughs> that
1: that team is, is already on the verge of breaking up. Now, I think they've got a real incentive to do something this year. I think if they don't get relegated, that is something that they'll all remember when they meet in years to come, mm-hmm. being a massive achievement, um, in some respects uh, as much as winning a trophy. Uh, but it's such a shame that two of the teams that I think we've really enjoyed watching this year, who've overachieved in the nicest possible sense, that's Salford and London. We already are talking about their teams being picked off. That's That's true though,
3: isn't it? But, you know, it's funny, Jordan (coughs) Abdul is in a really strange position, isn't he? Because I think he's been one of the outstanding players of the year in Super League this year. The way he's developed, the way he's, you know, controlled controlled these games for London is is quite amazing. And yet he's supposed to be going to Hulkingston Rovers next year. Um, a lot of people thought there was a potential conflict for him playing against Hull KR last didn't Thursday, look like it. but it didn't. <laughs> Certainly, you know there wasn't. He played, you know, as well as any player I've seen for quite a while. Um, and yet Hull oh, KR yeah. could be in the championship next year, couldn't they? And
1: uh, I'm sure that's in his contract. Know, it, there
3: must, be, there must <laughs> yeah. be a get-out clause. You would imagine, wouldn't you? Uh, Go on. Yeah,
2: well, I would imagine that there is. Of course, there would, but It's it's strange. Sometimes you do get a... A team of Mavericks, which I think the London are, and I think Abdul fits there really, really well, and it brings the best out in those players. And then you try and sort of re-immerse them in another team, and it never quite clicks for them. I so think that's right. It seems yeah. to be in a really good environment at this moment in time. You know, London are. You have know, watched them. You know, lots last year, and they haven't changed a great deal. Yeah. You know, they're a, they're a young team, they're a light team. They play on a 4G pitch, which is very, very quick. Mm-hmm. And when the sun comes out, that suits all of that. So I only thought they were liable to pick up some wins when it got hotter. And, yeah. uh, and it, that's proving the case. They've actually, I thought their vulnerability was probably in size and strength. But nevertheless, they seem to have endured through all that. And, you know, they're, they're just playing fast, exciting rugby league.
1: I think the other thing about them is they're a team full of stories. That yeah. every one of them has either got a point to prove or, you know, you take Morgan Smith, for example, who over the last two weeks has been one of the, the main catalysts for the mm. results that they've been having. It's almost as if he's had to wait to find that environment where he can fulfil his, his talent that we have. Well, he was waiting
3: got. on the sidelines at Warrington, wasn't he? And, and a young player in that situation is always waiting for players to get injured so he can get a break. Mm. So if you're at a club like that and they don't get many injuries, which Warrington don't seem to do for one reason or another, then you don't get your breaks and so you know he had to go elsewhere to actually realise
1: his potential and and you look at Eddie Batty for example who's been one of the form props of the season he may you know may even be a dream team selection when we get to the end of the season waits till he's in his what 27 the Buffalo farmer from South Yorkshire was given his his one chance to play in Super League and he's knocking them dead and I, I Alex Walker, who's come through the system at London, you know, we talk about yeah. where are we going to expand our reservoir of players. Well, there's one um, who I think, again, is, is arguably one of the most talented full, natural fullbacks we've got in the competition of at the moment. And it's great that he's getting his opportunity to show it on the big stage. The way he
3: was getting under those Jordan Abdul high bombs, you know, against Hulkingston Hull Kingston Rovers was tremendous, wasn't it? We're a tremendous understanding between those two players. And
1: I, and I think we need to credit Wayne Bennett as well for bringing Danny Ward into the hmm. now the international arena and making him a, an assistant coach with Great Britain, along with Ian Watson. We were talking about the two teams that perhaps have overachieved this year it's great reward it, it but it h- hints of succession planning as well sure, it's, it's a yeah. really good appointment are,
0: are we at a point now for the first time ralph where we can say london aren't the favorites to go down or is it still too soon for that uh
1: no i would,
2: I would suspect we're probably at that point at this moment in time you, you mentioned daniel i do think those two coaching appointments are fantastic really you know a really positive signal for for everybody in the, in the rugby league playing world in this country to be honest i I've always had a soft spot for Danny. He's got a real warmth about him. When I went to the million pound game last year, which was, you know there was a huge amount of stake in that game, the most relaxed guy in the stadium <laughs> by a million miles prior to the game was Danny Ward, and he just exuded. Um, and he communicates that to his players. That's I exactly right. Yeah. I've no doubt that the Toronto players went into that game very tense, and there were no tries scored. Uh, and, you know, Danny just, he just, he's it's, it's got something about him. I think I'm really pleased to see him involved, as I am with it. Watson, the uh, involved in the Great Britain. So.
0: so, Martin, Ralph says that London now aren't the favourites to go down. So, who are? Well, on the way they're playing uh, at the moment, you've got to say
3: Leeds Rhinos. And you've got to be fairly blunt about it. Obviously, Hull Kingston Rovers are playing tonight in the derby against Hull. That's a massive game for them. Um, and we'll have to see, I mean... You you never know what the result of a Hull derby will be, and on recent form, Hull FC have been outstanding. But you know, Hull Kingston Rovers playing at home are going to be a real, a real challenge, and they need the points badly. But uh, you've you've got to say that I I was talking to um, somebody who who, who had been watching Leeds closely at St Helens, and you know, they were saying Saints were (coughs) played badly actually in that game, but still were far too good for Leeds.
0: And I think a lot of i think a lot of teams have been leads leads just
3: we, we keep expecting leads to revive don't we 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 keep saying or we have kept saying that leads are going to pull out of this downward spiral but time's running out for them and if they don't start doing it very soon they're really
1: going to be in big trouble. I, I, think. Think, I think Richard Agar's right at the moment in what he says, that it's in their own hands. Um, and part of that will be determined by the fact that the bulk of their remaining fixtures, and we have got a third of the season left, are at home. Now, mm-hmm. that can work yeah. for you mm-hmm. if you win uh, on Sunday against Catalan, which is suddenly a very, very big game. Yeah. Sure. But if you lose, then that home crowd becomes a, a real negative that you have to get over. But there's a lot of more twists and turns because everybody's still got to play each other. I'm, I'm not sure there is a favourite to go down No, no, I don't I th- think there is. I think there's actually. a team perhaps who aren't in form at the moment. And, and the biggest game this, this weekend is, is Wakefield and Huddersfield because mm. one of those teams will be stuck on a losing run and mm. you get in a losing run on the wrong time of the season and it's very hard to get out of.
2: And, that, and that's the reason why I, I kind of am on the side of London not being the favourite. It's, it's probably not, well, it's not due to kind of talent on the field, but when you get to this pressure pressure cooker at the end of the season, you want teams that are composed and look like they enjoy playing rugby league and are not, you know, becoming kind of introverted mm-hmm. in the thinking and too introspective, just going out there and throwing the ball around and having fun, as opposed to being... And there will be lots of nerves involved in all those teams. You know, you want a team that is just playing vibrantly and I think they are.
1: I have only one reservation for London and the bookies still think that they are the favourites yeah. or the odds yeah. are lessening and that is if they were to get injuries. Yeah. Because we've identified yeah. some of their key players who are playing brilliantly at the moment but what they didn't have and still don't have is squad depth. Yeah. Mm. So if you to take two or three, of, I mean Luke Yates has been arguably one of the finds of the season. The uh, I don't think anybody had heard of him when no. London signed him. He's, he's top of the tackle charts, he's making an average of about 45 a game. If you were to take somebody like him out of that, uh, Jordan Abdul maybe was, went, you know. Ha- unfortunately had to go missing for a couple of weeks because he got injured which does happen mm. that's where I would worry for mm. London not the guys they've got on yeah. the field at the moment
3: but at the moment they've not got too many and and, and they're at Castleford th- this weekend which well, is who are another team they've you know, forgotten how to a really yeah that's a really interesting game I think yeah. I mean not long ago you'd have said that's just a I mean Castleford won 40 points to 6 in London I think it was the third or fourth game of the season and you know and that was a time when we were saying oh you know London my goodness they're not really up to it Um, But now uh, I think Castleford are probably more worried about that game than London are. How many
1: many points do you think a team is going to need to
3: avoid the drop? At least 20, but Mm. maybe even more.
0: Ralph, you will know that there are plenty of conspiracies that go on in the world of rugby league. Um, One at the moment is that Leeds go down there will be a way to make sure that they stay up. Just to clarify, that's not going to be the case if Leeds get relegated. No, no.
2: no, Nobody's (laughs) told me that's
0: the case. just seems to be the sort of thing that is brought up all the time, isn't it, Martin? A league restructure... Well, to that would it just be in. ridiculous, would But it, but it yeah. raises
1: a very interesting question, which we might as well ask while Ralph is here. What if Super League decided Leeds weren't going to go down? What could the RFL do about that on the basis of the fact now that we have dual governance of the sport?
2: Uh, we do have dual governance, but we have a, a, an agreed mechanism for promotion and relegation, and that's signed up from both, from both sides. So I don't think there's any concerns at this moment in time. If Super League in the future, and I don't mean you know, on the back of Leeds. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully they won't get that. but um, if that was determined in the future, that would have to be a kind of collegiate approach from us both when we decided that 10 was a better number or 16 was a better number, whatever it is, but that would be the mechanism. Well, here's, p- a,
3: here's a scenario. Let's let's assume that Leeds do go down. Let's assume just for the sake of argument <laughs> mm. that Leeds do go down. What, what impact would it have? Um, well, going into the championship now, is a lot better than going into the championship would have been a few years ago because the championship itself is a highly vibrant competition one of the things that you've got to do over the next few years Ralph is to persuade broadcasters i think yeah. to to cover the championship you know on a more regular basis yeah. you know as as a as a genuine elite competition of its in its own right Leeds being there, I think, would actually be a massive help how, how that for you in doing that. How is
0: that progressing, Ralph? There has been a lot of talk about championship broadcast deals. There's been talk that they've been talking about maybe going to 16 because they think that could work. What, what can you tell us?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, um, you know, the competition is a competition. The numbers aren't going to change at this moment in time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Clearly, on the far side of a broadcast contract, depending on what that looks like, that, that might have a bearing on it. Uh, Martin's right when we're talking about, you know, the state of play on the field and Super League. The state of the play in the competition is below is fantastic you know the tension in all three divisions is absolutely palpable at this mm. moment in time and that's what you want you want uncertainty of outcome and believe shock me shock results from top to bottom yeah. we have that at this moment in time when we went, Swinton went away to Toulouse you know two weeks ago one there which 50 to one they were against yeah. all that fixture unbelievable Barrow at
3: Featherstone last weekend Featherston,
2: yeah I wasn't going to mention that but yeah, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> absolutely right so um you know the competition structure is what it is. Clearly, mm-hmm. we may have one or two overseas clubs coming up. Hopefully, um, I do think this competition is uh, is the Championship and League One Championship. The standard is 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 really really increasing every year. I think whoever goes up will stay up again, just as mm-hmm. you know perhaps London will. And that is that's a real testament to what happens in these competitions and the way teams are developing and taking it more seriously. We have. We know we've implemented lots of little mechanisms that hopefully make people focus on the right things, growing crowds um, and, and, and hopefully attend, uh, achieving better viewing audiences and we've got our uh, clear our own platforms that we're putting um, some content out on as well. How important That has, seems to
0: be biting in. How important has our league been in the sense that you've now have got facts on how many people you have got watching these games? Going to broadcasters.
2: What we are doing at this moment in time is we are trying to reposition the sport and all of those things. Mm. Setting up our own platforms, you know, and, and delivering content. I think we had three games on our league uh, mm-hmm. this year, this weekend, on different, on different, um, in different competitions. All of that gives us viewership. All of that gives us uh, uh, data and information that we can pass on to potential broadcasters or or sponsorship or sponsors or wherever it may be, you know, we are looking to reposition the sport as our super league as well. We're coming into a really important point in our cycle which is the broadcast negotiation, Mm -hmm. whatever that may look like. And it will look different. The landscape is completely different to wherever it was before we have to position the sport in the best way to take advantage it of there a
1: plan to equalise the revenue in the Championship? Because if there was one criticism at the moment, you can look at the league table and, and there are odd, quirky results, but virtually the teams are in the position of the funding that they've got access to. Super League is becoming more uncertain because at last the salary cap seems to be biting to equalise yep. um, on, on that respect. But one of the problems, I think, with the Championship is you know toronto are 10 points clear we 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 can't ignore the fact that there's a full time team in effectively but that's a part time
2: distribution that's down to the but order. the
1: distribution has affected the well, league table
2: well this year uh, it, it was it uh, was it was more disparate last year the the mm-hmm. um the, the the spectrum was greater last year we have concertina in this year but we've also introduced this return on investment mechanism which basically says that you will be rewarded on a number of of, uh, give-backs to the game. So, league position's one, because that Mm -hmm. demonstrates your competence on the field, but also your attendance, uh, our league membership, uh, participation numbers, all the things that contribute to the game. So, the clubs that are doing the right things get a bigger distribution. So, that will actually distort the linear ladder, as it were. You could have a team producing all of those things, but not actually at the top of the competition, but nevertheless doing well in other categories. Because in the end, it comes back to repositioning the sport. We want the clubs to contribute to the sport going forward. And we, we the RFL, can't do that on its own. We need to point everybody in the same direction and produce the results that we know Give it commercial equity and broadcast What does equity.
1: repositioning mean? Does it mean trying to attract a new audience? Does it mean retaining the current audience that we've got? Is it geographical expansion?
2: Uh, it's not necessarily geographical expansion. It's certainly uh, growing audiences. That's, that's a really key part of it. Repositioning how we deliver the sport broadcast-wise, we've been fairly innovative working with Sky on, on some of the championships and things that we've done. We've got our own platforms now. We've got some alternatives when it comes to that negotiation. It will not be. The last The last TV deal that was done was, bang, there is everything. That You know, there's a big cheque, 200 million pounds with a big ball around it, that's it. Everything's gone. It'll look completely different, and we need to be able to react to however that negotiation
0: goes. And, and that... Phil, I've got to stop you there. Hold that thought. We'll be back after a short break for the next part of Rugby League Back Chat. Welcome back to Rugby League, back chat before the break. Phil, you had a question you wanted to fire to well, Ralph, now have you moment?
1: I just think while he's here, we should grill him as much as we can. <laughs> um, the last television deal, and, and obviously what happens in 2021 with our primary broadcaster will determine where the sport goes from here. Uh, sure. The, the cheque was signed to Red Hall and you distributed it. That's right. The word is that Super League will do that negotiation now. Are you worried that perhaps, you know, when you open the envelope, there'll be nothing in it?
2: Uh No. Uh, because of all the work that we're doing to preempt that. Um, super League will do their own negotiation absolutely right. You know, it's their property, the super League is their property, and they will uh, be out in the market looking to find the best solution for them. We have as a sport, we have a challenge cup, we have international rugby league, we have championship of League one. we have other things. We have women's rugby league that is suddenly you know in a completely different place than where it was before. So as a governing body, I think we've got a great deal to offer. And we'll go out and we'll maximise the package and we'll make it work as far as our constituents work.
0: I think Phil's just segued me into a question that I wanted to ask you about your relationship with Robert Elston. Yes. How, how does that work? Is it, is it active? Is it fluent? Is it as yeah. proactive as it needs to be?
2: Yeah, uh, I probably speak to Robert every, well, every week mm-hmm. um, on a variety of different subjects. Um, We're actually going to make that more formal. It is pretty casual at this moment in time. It just depends on what's actually happening. But the intent is that we'll just literally meet on a weekly basis, just to talk through all the business of the day, whatever that may be. We want to be completely cohesive in the way that we work. In the end, both of us want to maximise what the sport can
0: do. um, You've had to obviously figure out how the split works and there's been a lot of complications with that, I'm sure. How difficult has that been and how long has that process actually taken?
2: it's been really difficult um you've you've had two um well you've had one body that split into two so everything was absolutely integrated and when you start you know taking the nuts and bolts of that apart and and Mm -hmm. trying not to do it damage as you do it because it's a you know it's the classic changing the tire on a bike as you as you as you do in the race Mm -hmm. Um, uh, it's got to be handled with care i think we've got to you know, I'm really pleased at who the RFL is now and what it's responsible for. I'm really excited about some of the things that we've got. We've got 2021 and everything that builds towards that. Um, so I'm massively enthusiastic about where we are. But I'm not saying, and Robert wouldn't either, that it's not been a difficult process to get us to there. But this history point.
1: tells us it doesn't work, and that when it happened in the past, uh, it was two years before the bodies came back together. That surely there is an unnecessary overduplication of resources in a sport that hasn't got a lot of finance. Um, Well, the whole
2: intent is that we produce some more finance from it and, you know, proof will be in the pudding. All I can say is that... uh you know i get up every morning and i'm really pleased about what we're doing and, and and i know there will always be people that can pull at the threads of what we can do and we're never daft enough to pretend we're doing everything right because you know we're never going to go forward if you do that maybe you ought but to be involved whole,
3: in maybe you ought to be involved in the brexit negotiations <laughs> Ralph. i think uh, <laughs> you've just described two bodies well, coming not up, up about that that no. has a resonance doesn't it? How long but, does uh, <laughs> <that>? <laughs> it it does it does seem
0: though from a Super League perspective that Robert's been here a, a year now. He made his mark last week, Martin, with some comments he made in response to Wayne Bennett. Uh, yeah, yeah. Didn't get received all too favourably, has to be said. What, what was your take on what, on what Robert had to say? Well,
3: I think, I think there's a difficulty there when you've got um, a, a coach uh, of England or Great Britain or England and Great Britain, who's also a coach of an Australian club. Uh, Eamon McManus was the person who was really angry because of um, an approach that South Sydney apparently made to Luke Thompson. Luke, Luke Thompson has 18 months left on his contract, and Eamon has been absolutely clear that they will not agree to release him under any circumstances before mm-hmm. that contract ends. And if by that stage Luke wants to go to Australia, then they'll you know, give him a great send off, <coughs> just as they did with James Graham a few yeah. years ago. Um, but I think it's always difficult when when you, you, you're serving two masters. If you're a club coach and a rep coach, um, who who do you give your first loyalty to? I mean, obviously Wayne, Wayne Bennett. I think is a man of tremendous integrity, and he will do the best for both his club and uh, England and Great Britain. But it's quite awkward when he makes the point that players, or or appears to make the point that players will <clears throat> will enhance a chance of getting representative honours by going to the NRL, I think that raises alarm did bells he, did among the League Did he suggest that, clubs. though? Did he not
0: just suggest, <laughs> Phil, that Ryan Sutton has well, been... Well, that's start- how some people interpreted it. I mean, he's been starting games at, at South Sydney, which he wasn't at Wigan, and he's proved that he can play that role. I, wasn't that more the suggestion than... I, t- I thought know. the comments, as a press release, not
1: attributed necessarily to Robert or, or whoever, were petty and unnecessary yeah. and showed the fact that there is still a division. And that with Wayne Bennett over here for a short period of time, with international game being an aid for everybody. And I think one of the things that we really missed out on last weekend was not having some international window in the Northern Hemisphere. I think we we needed that to promote Great Britain. We needed it to 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 have interviews with Wayne Bennett, who is a fascinating character, and to have that tainted by some overly zealous Super League chairman that took offence to a comment that he made. Well, I think I think undermined the fact that we had him here.
3: Well, it, in in Emma's case, it was that comment plus the apparent approach. Uh, but to it's the food chain. Isn't it? It's what the food. Think,
2: it's the food chain. Uh, uh, no, I would say. Um, I'm going to defend Wayne's honour, certainly. Oh, um, no need to. Wayne, uh, he had a fantastic week with us last, last week. Uh, and that's with all of the England squads, everybody in the uh, uh, England Performance Unit uh, and all their coaching staff. He did some great stuff for us with Great Britain as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing I would say is Wayne has been coaching representative rugby league for more than two decades, I would imagine. So you've got State of Origin, you have Australia, you have New Zealand... You have England, and you know, I spent some some good time with him last week. Uh, I don't think you get to flip from the, on that level if people don't trust what you do. Think of how many club players have been entrusted to Wayne's care over that period, uh, and he, you know, the, everybody still wants him to coach their squad. So, I, I, you know, that he's a, he and the fact a great coach. It, coach. I think his integrity is absolutely unquestionable. Oh, I, don't, I don't,
3: I don't doubt that, but it's just that that. A conflict of interest doesn't mean that there's any loss of integrity on the part of individuals. It just means that there's a potential uh, f- for it to be viewed in that way. If, uh, if and that's South, the unfortunate but thing. But if South
1: Sydney wanted Luke Thompson tomorrow, because of the the, the respective amounts of money that the two leagues can mm. spend, they would happily compensate St Helens for him. Well, so they might do. It's just the way but, that, the, mm. that it works, isn't it?
0: While we're on recruitment, should we talk about this very lively merry-go-round that seems to be going on in uh, Super League at the minute with Leeds signing players, Hull KR signing players. Uh, the top and bottom of it is that Rob Lui looks like he's going to, to Leeds as we record this. Matt Parcel will go to Hull KR. Uh, it looks like Sean Lump will go to Leeds as well. And then there could be all sorts that comes off the back of that. What, what do we think, Martin? What What's your take on, on what the clubs are trying to do? And, and Leeds giving a relegation rival one of their players potentially
3: well they're doing it because of course of the overseas quota I mean right. they can only sign Rob Louie uh, if they can make a place available on the overseas quota uh, and that appears to be Matt Parcel moving to Hull Kingston Rovers Sean Lunt coming in the other direction and Junior Vi going to Toulouse because of course he's on the overseas quota at Hulk KR so you know it, it's, it's it, it looks a bit of a merry-go-round whether Rob Louie is the guy who's going to get Leeds out of trouble is you know something that w- we wait to see. And obviously Leeds fans will be hoping that, um, that, that he does. But, but Leeds have also apparently made a very significant bid for Jackson Hastings. Um, but a, 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 again, w- whereas I think Salford fans are prepared to see Rob Louie go for a transfer fee because they know the club could do with the money, okay. I think they'd be far more reluctant to see Jackson Hastings go anywhere. Uh, other than Salford for this season.
0: Let's talk about Jackson Hastings first. Phil, do you expect Jackson Hastings to play in Leeds' colours either this season or next season?
1: I think all we can say at the moment is that I think he'll see out this season with Salford. Mm. Um, I think we're, we're past the point where the negotiations can be done with 10 weeks of the season left to for him to go anywhere, whether that's mm. Leeds or Wigan or even back to the NRL. So I think um, Salford fans can be reassured that they've got their man for... The remainder of this year i think he's made it clear he's not going to be there next year mm-hmm. um, where he goes obviously will become a bit of an auction and that will depend on which teams are in that division mm-hmm. um and how much he's valued uh, to bring to that team i think if he goes as a free agent it it changes the dynamic as well mm-hmm. his money can go to him uh, rather than necessarily to salford so they're in a, a bit of a cleft stick in some respects financially it would be advantageous if he went now because they could cash in on his talent mm-hmm. but um I think he'll see out the season. The, the interesting thing is that there's one person who's not being mentioned in all of this and that's Joey Lussick. Mm-hmm. And they came as a pair, Hastings and Lossick. And I think part of the ability for Hastings to do what he does and is brilliant at, is the service he gets from a guy who he's played all his career with. Now I'm not advocating in any way whatsoever that he should leave Salford, but mm-hmm. I think The Jackson Hastings you get is a better player um, if he's alongside someone who he clearly has grown up with.
0: Ralph's a really interesting point, actually, I've got to say. Ralph, have you uh, known it'd be quite this lively on the recruitment front at this stage of a year?
2: No. Uh, not for several seasons and i think it's a real testament to what's going on you know what's super league doing with mm-hmm. you know we are four of us sitting on here we could talk this to death on who's likely to go away and all the different permutations and it is exciting there's some real tension in that competition mm-hmm. and there's a lot of talent you know that you know mm-hmm. the conversations about players you know callum going off to the nrl mm-hmm. we have a lot of talent playing in this in this competition this we Produce a lot of talent now, world-class talent. And there are some players such as Jackson Hastings that that add to that mix and it just produces this kind of uh, crescendo of of, uh, interplay right as we come into the
1: end of the season and we can talk it to death. It's can, can we expect to see Matt running around all the grounds on transfer deadline day, getting the scoops? I'll Matt, he
0: won't let me that's out of the office. That's what that's that of we that need, me. though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. One,
1: one of the things we, we, we haven't talked about but is germane to everything we have is that raising the profile of the sport oh, sure. and, and to have these transfer discussion points. Mm. Fans love it. Yeah, of course they do. Well, uh, we, and I, the media love it. Yeah, yeah.
0: I can give some insight on that. We last year did uh, a blog online for, for transfer deadline and it was the most viewed thing in the entire, comfortably. So people love it. People That's love it, and, and is we it... We need to exploit that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, it's I agree. interesting, isn't it, that, that some of the players we've mentioned,
3: I mean, Jackson Hastings was, was a, a signing last year that Salford made and it, 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 it left Manly under a bit of a cloud, apparently, and a few Super League clubs were somewhat reluctant to sign him, I think, and Salford took the plunge. And he's been absolutely outstanding, you know, for them, as you say, with with, with Joe Lussic too. Um, and there have been one or two signings like that from sort of left field, I would say. I mean, the the, the, the best example this year is Ratu Nalango <clears throat> at Hull FC, <throat> who's come out of the Army Sevens team, apparently, you know, seemingly coming out of nowhere. And he's been outstanding. His, his try last weekend from inside his own in-goal area, beating a couple of Catalan's players... And then running the length of the field was absolutely outstanding we made it the league express try of the week but actually last week there were so many potential candidates for, for that we always do that every week in the paper don't we um, and and you know there's just so many you, you know I, I, it, may, it meant we didn't pick tommy and
1: try I, I think you make another very interesting point though about where he's come from mm. and you talk about you know expanding out of our traditional markets that the armed forces there are, there are players there that clearly have um, uh, a, a talent that we haven't tapped into yet. Yeah. I think the student game is one, and, and you know the student game really yeah. well, mm. that perhaps we haven't done enough to keep track of the people that are either friends of the sport that, that we can go to in a commercial relationship yeah. or, or are players... You know, Alex Warmsley reinvigorated his career by it's playing in a student environment. It's, it's, it's interesting you say that.
2: It's, one of, it's been one of my, my uh, absolute front lines this year that, that we're setting up. Uh, something that, that that well, and as Rugby League alumni, effectively, mm-hmm. you're right, it's not just all about playing talent. In fact, it's it's far, far broader than that. Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many, and Martin was involved in it way back when as well, there are so many people that have gone on to do great things that have got a real affinity with Student Rugby League, mm-hmm. even if they just touched it for the three years they were mm-hmm. at there. I, was, I went to a, a dinner in Bristol a couple of years ago, and I was sat with the mayor of Bristol, who was a really kind of cool young fellow, great guy. Uh, and would, he just, I said something about rugby league and said, oh, yeah, I used to play in student rugby league. And he played at, mm-hmm. uh, at Cardiff. <coughs> just, you find them all over the place. And I just want to gel them together and make them work. Out of, of, interest,
0: just, uh, out of interest, what happened to that Bristol club? There was supposed to be the merger, wasn't there? Yeah. What, whatever Sporting happened
2: Sporting Club that? of Bristol? Uh, yeah, they were going to take it on, but then didn't in the end, and yeah. then that kind of retracted. So we just worked on the legacy of what went on in
0: uh, in Gloucester. Fair enough, Martin. Just quickly, uh, we've got about ninety seconds of this part left. People are saying because London and Salford have been doing well that it actually shows that the standard's going down. I have no idea where they get that logic from. Is that well, that's surely? Unfair, well, I isn't think that's it? nonsense, and
3: and you can you can never really talk about the standard, we, definitively actually, because all you can do is look at the games and say, are they, are they competitive, are they exciting, mm-hmm. um, are they compelling? And I, I think this season is the most compelling season we've had for many, many years. Mm-hmm. So whether the standard is up, down or just the same, doesn't really matter, it's the spectacle that's important. And I think it couldn't be better at the moment.
1: Agreed, James? I've no idea how you measure it. I think that's the first thing, but yeah. I think we'd all like to see 12 teams competing at the top rather right. than a focus on seven teams competing at the bottom. Now, how you ever get to that, and if you ever do, I have no idea. Hmm.
2: I am going to drag you back from that, though, because I don't just think it's about 12 teams. And I think it's, you know, our competitions in general, we had the Student Rugby league, uh, Home Internationals last weekend. We've got the Women's Rugby League. You know, I got a Rugby League continuously over the, over the weekend, and there's just some fantastic fantastic facets of our sport at this moment in time
0: well, I think we all agree on that that's the latest part of this week's show wrapped up after a short break we'll speak much more including about Ottawa and New York we'll be right back <music> welcome back to the final part of this week's rugby league backchat don't forget you can join the conversation too on twitter at rl backchat Ralph I'll come to you because I want to ask you about Ottawa New York. Sure. Uh, it was announced about a month ago that New York will be coming in 2021. But provisionally, Ottawa will be 2020 now. It's gone quiet since then. Yeah. What is the latest with Ottawa? Do you think they'll be in next year? Uh,
2: well, I would hope so. But it's important that when they do come in, they are uh, a credit to the competition and they're, they're not vulnerable in any way. So New York and Ottawa were given the same pathway, but just on different timescales. Um, Ottawa have been given the opportunity to join in 20, provided they get over certain hurdles between now and then. And Mm -hmm. should they do that, they will be in the fixture list in November. If they don't, they'll get pushed to 21. And likewise, uh, New York at this moment in time have been given the same kind of trajectory, but it will be for entry in 2021. Mm -hmm. It's really, really important that we do our due diligence properly. It's very easy to say Everybody in, will see you there. But in the end, we've got the concerns of all the rest of our stakeholders in there. We've got the reputation of the competition to think about. When we want, when they arrive, we want them to arrive in good shape, mm-hmm. so they add real value to the competition. Realistically, though, Obviously. sorry Phil, I'm just going to say, yeah.
0: we're nearly in July. Yep. Um, none of the of the people who, who look after players seem to think that they've been in contact regarding putting a squad together. Yep. It surely looks unlikely now that the going to be ready for if they, if they haven't jumped over these hurdles yet surely it's going to be difficult for them to be to do everything they need to do by November
2: well potentially but the timescale's laid out so mm. if, if, they, if they fail uh, well if they get delayed they get delayed um, but as I say they, the difference between the two uh, offers were that Ottawa has an inbuilt sporting infrastructure that it's Ottawa Sports and Entertainment Group they have an ability to sell a ticket tomorrow. They have an ability to market tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They even have some athletes that are there ready to take on as well. So, New York are a little bit further down the line than that. So, um, um Ottawa have a, a distinct advantage, but nevertheless, they still have to get over the hurdles to arrive in November and get themselves into
1: the fixture list. Did the governing body do enough due diligence on Toronto?
2: Well, you know, I get asked that question a lot. Um, what have you got in Toronto? You've got a, a club that functions pretty well. You've got a 10,000 crowd, roughly, and you've got a guy with a great deal of money that wants to put it in. So mm-hmm. all of those things exist and are mm-hmm. real, and David has put a great deal of money into the team. Nobody can deny that. So when I get asked that question, I just those are the facts. Mm-hmm. We got it to this point, and it wasn't actually David in the first instance that set the club up. It was It was Eric and Corey, and, and you know, David then bought into the club. So that was the journey that that took. So I think we tick the boxes pretty well as we go along. We all know that there are some clubs that are to some degree dependent on a benefactor. We're far better than many, many sports in that respect, but nevertheless, that's true. And if that benefactor were to walk away, whichever club it is, then that would have a, a significant impact on that particular club. That vulnerability exists with several clubs, but as I say as sports go we're in
0: far better shape than many others Phil can I just throw that back to you when you you asked that question do you then believe that there wasn't and if so why no I
1: I just think that maybe uh, as they progress through the ranks the goalposts for Toronto are changing I think think
0: you're absolutely right
1: that what they bring to the sport is exactly what the sport needs new markets new people potentially new television deals which Mm. which I have a little bit of a worry about if you've got Toronto maybe in Super League and Ottawa starting in League One I, I don't Now, you reconcile that and get a a television deal. But speaking to some of the people at Toronto, they seem to think that the map they were originally given, which they made uh, no unavowed secret that they wanted to be in Super League as quickly as they can, has changed and been redrawn. And I just wonder if that's uh, because, as a sport, we we perhaps could be accused of being reactive
0: rather than proactive. This leads me wonderfully onto a debate that's been going on for the last couple of weeks, um, that Toronto may potentially turn down promotion. I I can't get my head around it, if I'm honest. Can you give Uh, us any insight into this? Again, that's, uh,
2: (laughs) you know, I hear the rumours all the time, but I would be staggered. (laughs) uh, Tell that that to Brian McDermott. Staggered, yeah. Mm.
0: I wouldn't like to tell it to Brian (laughs) McDermott, no. I'm glad we can put that one to bed. Um, On on another (laughs) front, um, we spoke earlier on about recruitment. Two clubs, which have actually been the two we spoke about, London and Salford, they've been quite vocal in raising their concerns about how it works at the minute, that it's May the 1st, that players can sign elsewhere. Ian Blede has, has been uh, not very complimentary of the fact that clubs can you know, get players to pause with other, other clubs' scars while they're still employed by another club. Is, mm. there a, is there an issue there? Is it something that the RFL are looking at? Uh,
2: well, we'd probably look at that biannually. Yeah. We look at it with the clubs. Uh, Karen Mohouse, our chief regulatory officer, sits down runs regulatory meetings with all the clubs. That transfer deadline, uh, there's just no right answer to it. There is absolutely no, no right answer, and we, we move it by a month or so. You know, there's an argument to say get rid of it altogether, and just because yeah. policing it's almost impossible anyway. And the same
3: problems will arise whenever you have it. Yeah, that's they? right. I think that uh, my suggestion is there should just be one simple regulation that says that you can't if, if you sign a player as a club who's still in contract when you sign him to another club you're not allowed to parade him in your club's colours, you know. So, just common decency. Which is common decency, it seems to me. But, you know, it, some clubs do do it. Yeah. So maybe there should be a regulation, a simple regulation, no. just saying, you're not allowed to do that. You'll never stop them saying.
0: Solve the other no, no. one. No, Yeah, I mean, if, if we're honest, even though it's a May first deadline, none of us really believe that there's no negotiation going on before May the first, do we? You would never get anyone accepting that, but that's just the, the truth of it. Yeah, really you know, I've been on both sides. It depends what
3: you mean by negotiation as well, yeah, you know, does, because yeah. that that's not always easy to define. No, it isn't. No. That's it, why it's impossible to police it. Yeah, yeah, um,
0: yeah. The 1895 Cup. Yes. Um, it's coming for some criticism. Um, from coaches, players, whoever else. Um, what's your take on the, the state of the competition, how it's gone so far and where it's going? Um, I'm glad you've asked this question. Uh, first of all, uh, we sat
2: down with all the Super uh, sorry, super League, uh, Championship League One uh, Chief Executives and Chairman and said, we've got this idea, this concept, uh, but it's only going to work if you're going to throw your weight behind it. It will need some midweek fixtures, but it does give Tui the opportunity to do something really special and create something that doesn't exist at this moment in time, but has the ability to develop into another property. Mm-hmm. And just as I said before, Phil, it's about repositioning mm-hmm. certain things that we do. So do you want to be on this journey or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's going to fail if you don't. Mm-hmm. But we think, got, we think it's got some possibilities, this. Um, uh, and unanimously, um, uh, they all said they definitely wanted to do it. And uh, of course, that changes when a coach you know, gets upset because he has to put a team out midweek and perhaps there isn't a good communication between the chief executive and the coach. And I absolutely understand it's easy to, to sort things out in the clear blue water of the off-season as opposed to the uh, uh, the, the, the cut and thrust of season. Mm-hmm. That, nevertheless, that is the case. But we think something's developing pretty well at this moment in time. We've just, we've just uh, sent out to clubs last night. Uh, to inform them of the, the kind of prize money that we're going to put in place because it's got some momentum mm-hmm. and this is not about year one either you shouldn't you shouldn't get too distracted mm-hmm. by that this is two three four five and beyond so um you know again you know people can definitely nip at the threads that hang out absolutely right they will mm-hmm. and they will do forever but nevertheless do I think we're going to do something pretty exciting with it yes I do I
1: think it's, it's yes, a go. brilliant idea I mean the thought of say and I'm picking these two teams at, at random Lee playing York at Wembley. or or Widner's getting back to Wembley, it's magnificent. I think the issue is a bigger one about the length of the season in its entirety that covers both Super League, the Championship and League One. The fact that you're having to schedule games in midweek must tell us that there's something wrong with the the fixture structure. I think also it goes back to the, the, the point made in the other half that We didn't have an international window this weekend, which I I think the sport lost something out of that. We had Wayne Bennett over here. If that had leaked into the fact that England or the England Knights were playing, we had the wheelchair team over in France. You can imagine if, you know, Jamaica were playing an international over here. Maybe Fiji had come over here. You could have started this weekend with games in the Southern Hemisphere and, and had internationals going right throughout the world, culminating in the Caribbean. That, again, is something that I think is overarching, the fact that we've got two governing bodies at the and, moment. And think, and we need yeah. to get that right somewhere. Well,
2: you know, we've come to an agreement on that. We have got, between now and 2021, I think we've got a pretty exciting international programme. I agree we didn't do this this uh, weekend just gone, but nevertheless, by the end of this season, running up to the Kangaroos at the end of next season uh, and then into the World Cup with some of the, pre- the mid-season stuff we'll have. And, of course, the Knights... Uh, and the women and the wheelchair. There's more mm. announcements to come in all of those uh, uh, particular uh, facets of our game. We will have an international programme which is absolutely designed to land us in the right place at the right time but in 2020. When are you going
1: to announce the venues for the Kangaroo Tour? Because uh, the one thing we consistently <laughs> get wrong is we don't put tickets on <laughs> sale early. Very enough. soon.
2: Yeah. It will be, w- There's some good work being done on it. I can't disclose them yet, but um, we're, not too, we're not a million miles away at this moment. We're going to time.
1: top. Are we going to
2: I'm not saying just at this oh, moment in time. Right, <laughs> it was
0: worth a go. Just to pull you back, my ears pricked up when you mentioned prize money. Because I think one of the criticisms by some of the clubs has been it can actually cost us money to host these games because the crowds haven't been good. For yeah. it. It's year one and, and you've got to build it up, as you said. Is it going to be significant enough that it's going to appear... We, we know that they, they look at the money, don't they? Of is course. It, is it going to be significant enough to, to pull them in then, the
2: prize well, I think, uh Well, I think what we've on the table to clubs last night and they'll, be, they'll be they'll be pretty pleased to see how we've done it um and uh, it, you know it, it costs a hundred thousand pounds to open wembley for that extra game before you start right. and then everything else added on um so that's your risk immediately that's a risk plus all the bits and pieces as well but if you're going to start a journey you need to start it and say when we sat around the table with them Again, we said it's not going to be perfect. Some of the things you've described are absolutely true, absolutely mm-hmm. true. <laughs> but nevertheless, it is—it's the Thelma and Louise moment. Is that we're going to hold hands and we're going to try and do something different? Yeah. Yes, everybody, everyone that's in that club, everyone that's in that cup, unanimously wanted to be in it. Nobody was forced into it. So mm-hmm. when you hear a coach bleating about, oh, we have to play a midweek and the, the RFL, I listen to. Uh, one of the fixtures recently when I was stood in the room after the game and he was kicking off about, whether oh, the RFL did this and that. It wasn't the RFL, actually. It yeah. was everybody that's in the competition and everybody that sat around that table wanted to do it. And believe me, when we get to the semi-finals and the finals, those four, two teams will be really delighted to be there. And it's because mm-hmm. we
0: took a risk and did something. And here's the other thing. You mentioned that opening the other opening up Wembley for the other game costs some money. You played it after the Challenge Cup yes. final. Was that the initial... View for the competition. Will it change next year? Will it be the curtain-raiser?
2: Don't know. Well, as, as you'd expect, we'll, we'll do a, a, a debrief on how it went. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we aimed to do was make sure people could get back to the north if they wanted to after the game. That was the key. So the mm-hmm. timing was, was key on that. Um, and we'll just see how it rolls out and whether it works for people. We will do a fan survey afterwards. We are trying really hard uh, this year and last to consult more and more with people so we get mm-hmm. evidential feedback when we make decisions We can point to something so uh, if it does change for 2020 we can say well it changed because of this
0: Yeah, I, I want to actually at that point plug our league a little bit Yeah, because that's has been your way of communicating with people yes. and it seems to be Provisionally very successful. Yes. so far. Is is that a fair assessment?
2: Well, from a standing start, and again, it was uh, a a little experimental. Again, about positioning our sport, knowing more about our customers, understanding with them, understanding them, communicating with them. Mm -hmm. So we went from uh, a standing start to I think we're about one hundred and twenty thousand members now that we can speak to direct. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm pretty pleased with that. It's one thing that
1: you need to do, get some unique timing. Because I think that one of the issues is, for example, the, the women's game yeah. is, is one of our great successes. Absolutely fantastic. And I think it's absolutely sensational that their Cup final will be part of the, the Bolton Baltimore, semi-finals. Yeah. I think we talk about you know, new audiences and repositioning. You, you've got a whole new sector to go at. But the problem is, to use an example from this weekend, you had the Women's uh, Challenge Cup game between Wigan and St Helens at 12 o'clock. Yeah. You had another game in that competition kicking off at 12 o'clock, which was being live streamed by the, the club concerned. Yeah. Do you need to do a bit more work to say, if we're going to have our league and we need more people to watch it, we've got to be um, a bit more proactive about what we show and what time we show it?
2: Yes. All, all of this is learning for us. Um, and, you know, the our league is, is the same as the 1895 Cup and lots of the other, the, the women's Super League, uh, the Wheelchair, the Physical Disability Rugby mm-hmm. League all, all, uh, and, and and the Learning Disability Rugby League. We are trying to grow the Rugby League family in lots of different directions all at the same time. We're trying to land it on platforms that we hadn't developed before. We're trying to reach new audiences and, and bring them in and talk to them.
1: And that's a lot to do all at once. But I mean, for example, your League One game that you had on was on at the same time as about six other games.
2: No, I'm, I'm, I'm So, I'm, not yeah. I'm saying you, you haven't, yeah. you, you have
1: got an idea there, I'm but not, are you exploiting no, no, it to best no, advantage? No, we're not,
2: Phil. That's exactly right. You're right. All those criticisms are absolutely valid. We are not perfect in what we're doing. And we, we, we grow and we, we, you stub your toe a little bit and then you grow a little bit yeah. more. And, and when we sit round the table with the Championship League One clubs, you know, we said we we can talk to them about moving kickoff times to mm-hmm. seven on a Sunday night, <laughs> yeah, and all those things that they don't necessarily want time. to
3: that, do. That, uh, please don't do that. No, but you, yeah, that's true. That's not a That's the point, isn't it? You think yeah. that's a good
2: idea, and then Mike says, "No, yeah. that's a terrible yeah, yeah, idea." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You think, "Oh, how are we ever going to solve yeah. it?" But that, that's the point. But yeah. nevertheless, you know, they're all on this journey with us. All of those, all of those um, um, elements of the sport that you just re- I refer to and we refer to. Uh the bits that we're using to try and reposition ourselves, it is not perfect. Every weekend, myself and Mark Foster's and, and Karen's and Tony's phone go berserk with people saying, why have you done this and why have you done this? That is all true but we're just trying to get better and grow. One of the Martin, things I'm is gonna, is-
0: Martin, I'm really sorry, I'm going to have to stop you there. We've uh, we've grilled Ralph far too much and we've run out of time. A big thanks to my guests this week, Martin Sadler, Phil Kaplan and Ralph, who will definitely need a drink after that. Don't forget, you can join the conversation too on Twitter at RL Backchat. We'll be back next week for another edition. Bye-bye for now. Rugby League Back Chat is sponsored by TotalRL.com.